We've all heard statements of how COVID is changing things, but where is your attitude at right now about it? There's tremendous value in changing our view of the situation, sure, but how does that happen? How do you not lose authenticity while choosing to turn a situation on its head and not giving in to pessimism? Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and the conversation today is meant to encourage and challenge us all based on the opportunity that we have right now. Jack Aldrich is a global futurist and a returning guest to the podcast. If you missed his first appearance, go back to episode 21 to check that one out. Today, though, Jack is joined by Camille Colas, a transformational leadership consultant, PhD candidate in transformative studies, and she is also the founder of the Center for Inspired Futures. Now, no one can predict the future, but between the pair of them, we can all learn some things now that will help us prepare for the post-quarantine transition that we're all facing. So let's jump into it, beginning with how Jack and Camille started working together on a project that helps us reimagine the future in a post-COVID world. It was uh, early this February, and I was giving a talk with another colleague on climate change. But afterwards, uh, I began talking with uh, Camille, and we had uh, an immediate connection. But in December, I began sort of identifying a trend on the the fringe around people who were reimagining, renewing, recreating the world anew. And I'd sort of, in my mind, I had created or began calling this Generation Re, but on Camille's business card, she has three re-words, and they are reframe, reinvent, reignite. But I had this whole list of re-words in a notebook I kept, and I went back and I looked at it, and I didn't have those three specifically. And so immediately I said, there is something I am meant to, to learn from her. And uh, I mean, we really are coming at a similar issue, but from different perspectives. So I'm just, it's a really exciting partnership. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, when we discovered that those, the the brainstorm that Jack had on RE words did not include my words, um, it just felt like, huh, what's going on here? And those were words I had thought very deeply about this reframe, reinvent, reignite in terms of my own consultant work. Um, so anyway, what has transpired then since is, a lot of very good balancing of of ideas as we taken a dive into putting this book together. So the the heart of the book, if you could unpack that a little bit, um, the maybe I don't want to I don't want to minimize it into goals and metrics and that kind of thing, but the the heartbeat behind uh, the book as you all are working on this together, what would what would that look like? What does that feel like as it's taking shape as you're doing research in that? And, and maybe even what does the research look like from your guys' perspective? Boy, Camille, could I just pass this off to you? I mean, I thought that Steve's use of the word heartbeat was really cool. Could you just sort of play off of that with some of the people that you've been uh, interviewing? Yeah. Well, you know, as we've distilled what this book is, is about and what we really want to say to people and what we feel is also part of a paradigm shift that actually began before the pandemic and is now really accelerating is this idea of um, connecting business with heart. And, um, you know, there are a lot of books on leadership and and, um, that often gets into kind of that heart space, but we want to go a little bit deeper. um, And, you know, it really connects with my 
um, PhD work, which is a lot about connecting the inner life and the outer life. So um, let me just talk a little bit about the, this paradigm shift that we're trying to get into. Um, some might say it's, you know, uh, it's an opportunity now in this these really dramatic times to really go inward and connect more with what does matter to us. That is really precisely where our book was was going before the pandemic. And now, as I said, it's, it's accelerating this idea of how can we sort of really embrace this idea that we really are interdependent. You know, I think if there's one thing that's come to the foreground during this time, we really can't help but see how truly interdependent we are. And so um, some people think of that as the beginning of a paradigm shift where especially in, in, in the United States, um, we tend to be more individualistic. And so if we were to embrace more seriously this idea of our interconnectedness, what would that look like? And we began to think, you know, at the business level, this could really produce a sense of elevating the importance of meaning, the importance of purpose, and the importance of fulfillment maybe even over some of the other traditional business goals. Obviously, mm -hmm. we have work to do in the world. But the fact that these three things, meaning, purpose, and human fulfillment, could actually be elevated almost like a um, an economy of purpose, a purpose-driven economy, what would that actually look like? Early on, as I was thinking about generation re... I mean, I, as a futurist, I saw people who were reimagining, reinventing rebuilding things in a different way. And, and they were getting at, and they were coming from the very place that Camille was just speaking about. But I think one of the fascinating things about the pandemic is that we said, look, this was a trend happening before this, but now what we believe is going to happen is these individuals who were reimagining, reinventing, redesigning things, this trend is going to be accelerated. And we're excited by what, what is happening and uh, sort of articulating their message and helping other people figure out how they too can begin reimagining, rebuilding, re-inspiring, relearning things to create a more beautiful future. So um, there's a couple questions that, that I've gotten. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with uh, Camille real quick, and then I'll jump back over to you, Jack, about Generation Re, because I want to hear more about that as well. Uh, Camille, you, you dropped uh, kind of an anchor on the table, and I want I want to pick it up and look at it just for a minute before we move on. But the the meaning, purpose, and fulfillment. Do I have those three mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So are you are you saying that what what would it look like? What would it be like? Or you know maybe it should be that the business. What if business leaders led with those things versus maybe arbitrary metrics or uh, just just sales goals or archaic things that maybe we've traditionally led with? Yes, absolutely. You just named it. Um, <clears throat> in fact, one element of the book will include the stories of some of these social entrepreneurs I've been researching who I believe do embody really the best of human ingenuity in terms of business practice, business ability, and the, really the best of the human spirit in terms of working towards some of the softer skills, we might say, in addition to the fact that these social entrepreneurs have actually um, been working on some of the more intractable social issues of our time. And maybe I can give you a, a quick example here of the kind of people I've been researching, because I believe they do embody what we hope this book will illuminate and therefore inspire others to do. 
So quick example, there's um, a woman in one of the larger cities in the United States, and I have to sort of not name names because that's part of the policy of the research. Um, But she began, she had a normal life. She was, you know, happy, had a normal life, (laughs) retirement income, a family, et cetera. Um, And she began noticing, though, that um, when people who are living closer on the edges, uh, when their car would break down, it would set forth this um, downward spiral of other things. They would, they couldn't get their, they couldn't get to work. Then they would lose their job. You know, they couldn't get their kids to different places. Their kids would be unhappy. Anyway, it led to this spiral where eventually she said this happened over and over again. They would actually become homeless. And she kept saying to herself, you know, somebody should do something about this. Uh, somebody should be kind of the, the wedge that prevents this from happening. And the more she said it, the more she realized that person was her. So at the age of 38, um, not knowing the difference between a ratchet and a wrench, she went back to auto mechanic school with a bunch of 18-year-old boys. And she took two years to learn auto mechanics, having already had two degrees in social work and other things. And after she graduated, she wound up opening the first in the United States auto repair shop um, for low-income people people that meet a certain income standard in the United States. And she said, of course, it's been difficult. It's been you know, challenging. She used up all her retirement savings, but she would never go back. And this is the kind of intersection of, of passion, personal mission, you know, trying to tap into what is it that, you know, brings you, kind of sets you, uh, lights you up, I should say. Um, and how I mean, that's a really dramatic example. And certainly there are lesser ways that we can bring that sense of fulfillment and personal meaning and purpose into our everyday work life. So while we may give these fairly radical examples in the book, we hope that it does inspire maybe smaller ways to bring some of that sensibility into the workplace. And then, Jack, uh, coming back to the Generation Re, because I think this does tie very nicely into uh, what Camille was just talking about. So if you if you wouldn't mind, walk through what you're uh, saying, what you mean by maybe some definitions. What is the concept of Generation Re? What does that look like, sound like? Uh, what is that all about? The important thing to understand about Generation Re is that it is a generation not defined by age, but defined by mindset. And what I saw as a futurist was individuals who were first willing to reimagine what business might what their business might be able to do and what was the higher purpose behind their business then i saw other business people and entrepreneurs rethinking their business model they were challenging their assumptions and then i still saw others who had the courage then to begin reinventing things anew both their their business they were reaching out and uh, listening to their customers in innovative and uh, different ways. Um, and, and so I just began playing around with uh, the rewords and thought that uh, I had identified a trend of a group of people, again, not defined by age, but defined by mindset. That makes sense. Uh, you're not just breaking down what has been with the idea of reworking something, as you redo it, but you're breaking down the mindset of generation only meaning an age group or an age bracket. So that, that, that makes sense. And, uh, bringing these two things together that we were just talking about. Uh, so I personally have seen a ton of optimism in this pandemic, 
Uh, obviously, there's a lot of negative stuff too, but I, I've been trying to make a concerted effort to focus on optimism and optimistic people. And one thing that I shared with my sales team uh, that I found to be really, really positive is that in this time, it kind of forces us to examine things we might not have examined prior to the COVID craziness. It's kind of forcing us to, to, to look at whether it's our business or our family life or whatever. And uh, I'm wondering uh, between the two of you and each of you can answer if you, if you want, but what is it that we would miss if we don't embrace as, as you all are calling it, you know, the, the, the great reset? Yeah. I think what people are going to miss, and this is why when I met Camille and her first word was reframe, I think one of the great opportunities in this whole situation is to begin viewing this as an opportunity. But in order to do that, we first have to reframe it from a problem into an opportunity. And I think that the people who are able to do this and then reconnect with what matters most in their lives are, are going to be able to begin seeing a path forward. What else might business be able to do? How might they be able to reconnect with their customers, with their employees in a deeper, more meaningful way? How could they reconnect with their communities in a deeper, more meaningful way? But from my perspective, it first comes down to a willingness to view the world through an optimistic and opportunistic lens. Well, Steve, it's such a good question, this idea of, um, you know, what is this time forcing us to look at? And, and it almost seems like it's really demanding that we go inward a little bit more. And um, what I wanted to add in terms of what will we miss if we don't try to embrace some of these new, um, you know, the RE words we're talking about, reframing, reigniting, what, what will we miss if we don't take advantage of this this time that's actually almost demanding that we do this? And um, I just wanted to bring up um, this notion of um, there's a theory out there called thriving with social purpose. And really, it suggests that at, at regular levels of human motivation, you know, like personal goals are motivating, belief in your abilities are motivating, surroundings that are supportive are motivating, and others, kind of these other self-interested motivators, that's all fine and good. And we can all achieve actually quite high levels of success with, with um, kind of staying at that level of achievement. But oftentimes, as the theory goes, this high level of achievement actually lacks meaning. And in fact, to be honest, it, they can produce antisocial consequences. But as the theory goes further, it says, if you sprinkle on top or if you add this element of social purpose to all those other human motivations, it is analogous to changing a photo from black and white to color. It is wow. that kind of experience that people can have that's, again, this deeper sense of meaning and fulfillment comes alive. There's a vibrancy. And so I think what, we're, what we would miss if we don't embrace um, what's being called upon us now is, is this um, greater sense of who we are, this expression of human potential that I think could be lost if we don't embrace what's happening now. I want to pick up on that idea of yeah. driving with social purpose, because as a futurist, one of the things I love to do is ask people, and I think this is going to happen, 20 years out in the future, I think the people who see this as an opportunity are going to look back at 2020 as the greatest 
time of their life. In the same way that our great-grandparents viewed the Great Depression and the Second World War as the greatest period of their life. And the reason they viewed it as such is because it was imbued with social purpose. They were working not for themselves, but for a higher purpose. And I think that is exactly the opportunity that the Great Reset offers all of us. And so to the people who don't view this as an opportunity, I think they will look back in 20 years as a missed opportunity to say, this was not the scariest time of your life. It was the best and the brightest and the most beautiful time of your life. That's good. That is good. So um, this next couple of questions that I've got will probably take us several minutes to work through. Um, and it has to do with this theme of, of curiosity. So this first question um, for both of you is uh, how does somebody then, whether it's reframe their current circumstance and view it with optimism or cultivate curiosity, um, ask the right questions, how do we do those big things that, that you all have been talking about? What are some things that we can actually start to do or uh, look to do in order to cultivate curiosity, to reframe our current circumstance and, and know that we're asking the right questions? Yeah, wonderful question, Steve. I, I would say it all gets back to questions. And I think the most powerful question that all of us, especially as leaders, have to embrace is this one. What don't I know? The, the really wise leaders embrace their ignorance and always keep of mind what they don't know, because that then keeps them curious. Not only what don't I know, who aren't I listening to? What aren't I seeing? How might my customers think about this from a different perspective? How might a competitor approach something from a different perspective? Because they have that intellectual humility, they stay curious and they use questions to probe deeper into the future to ultimately to find better answers. And corollary to that would be, I would say, to cultivate curiosity, you know, begin to explore your own assumptions, challenge your assumptions, challenge your biases, explore your, you know, look at how biases are showing up, maybe even write down, you know, some of the assumptions you have about work or about your volunteer work or about your home life and actually begin to reflect on whether those assumptions are actually true. Because uh, I think if you can soften the edges around these biases and assumptions, um, you will automatically cultivate more curiosity. And um, in fact, you'll, you'll probably begin to ask the better questions. That's a, that's a great point. As a futurist, one of the assumptions, and you frequently hear this, is people who can see the future. They're known as seers or visionaries. But you know what? I think the people who are going to be really hip to the future, I call them listenaries. They're people who are extraordinary listeners. They can discern by listening to people better. So again, if you want to cultivate curiosity, become a better listener. So good. Uh, Jack, I know that uh, um, in your talk uh, that, that you did for our, our leadership webinar, um, I popped a, a question in there about empathy, and I was surprised by, by your answer um, it's not in the outline and I don't want to put you too much on the spot and I can help you out if, if it, if it does not jog in your memory, but if you wouldn't mind in that same vein of thought with curiosity and asking the right questions and, and challenging assumptions, would you mind sharing what you did, what you said about uh, when it comes to empathy and, and encouraging empathy? 
Yeah. From my perspective, as people think about the future, they say, what are the skills of the future? In many cases, they're looking for tactical skills. Like, should I become a software designer or a coder? I think the skills of the future are, we've already touched on them, curiosity, creativity, imagination, but ultimately, empathy is really important. This idea of being able to see the world from other people's perspectives. If you're a business leader and you can begin doing that, you're going to begin seeing where the opportunities are to uh, provide your customers with new products, new services. You're going to reconnect with their values. What do they hold important? And once you can discern those things, and if you are able to discern those things, I think the opportunity for your business is going to be extraordinary. So one of the one of the things I say as a futurist is the hardest trend out there is the soft the soft skills, curiosity, creativity, imagination, empathy, wisdom and ultimately even love. You know, I want to add as a soft skill seeing ourselves as interdependent and interconnected. I think that's actually a critical skill that will become more and more important in the future. That our actions have a ripple effect on on those around us. And maybe this whole uh, six feet of space thing uh, even even speaks louder to that right now on how um, you know social distancing and all of that. Um, so, last couple questions um, as as we start to to wind it down, uh, I, I need to know where would you point people to go from here after they're done uh, listening to this, uh, whether it's a, a website for more resources, whether it's uh, you know. Uh, Another uh, book that you all have picked up, uh, where would you encourage people to go or point people to to go from here? You know, this awareness of moving from the I to the we, as I talked about in this interconnectedness, is really um, is a really a strong trend and it can also make us feel better. Um, I, I think this kind of sense of individuality that has been such a key part of our life here in the United States, I, I think it stresses us out too, <laughs> as much as we enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. I think it brings a little stress to us. So in terms of um, where can we point people, I think, you know, begin to look at books that talk about sort of this I to we movement in terms of our own thought. One of the things I would say, Steve, is you know where people need to go from here? They need to go inside themselves rather than point to our books or anyone else's books. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately, I think both Camille and I would say in our book, when it comes out, we're not going to tell people anything that they don't already know at some deep intuitive level. So I'd really encourage people to go within, embrace silence and reconnect with your heart. And I think if you're able to do that, you're going to then begin reconnecting with the things that really matter. And if you do that as a leader, I'm absolutely convinced that the customers and the opportunities will come. So go within would be my first piece of advice. That's good. Now, uh, one more uh, question that I've got and then something I didn't have in the outline. I would love to hear kind of what inspires the pair of you uh, in your work, um, whether it's you know a person, a place, experiences, another leader. I would love to hear uh, what has you know, inspired you all to do what you do currently. But before we get there, uh, what encouragement or advice do you have for people out there who are just wanting things to go back to normal? 
I think we have to have courage. I think we have to have the courage to really reframe these times for ourselves and, and for the community. I think we need to remember that there's a natural law out there that order does come out of chaos or out of uncertainty. But there, but yet there is this liminal space that we're in where we are in this state of, you know, uncertainty. So, but I think if we can reframe these times as really ripe with potential, maybe slowly we can begin to even find some spark within the uncertainty. Maybe we can even see this time of uncertainty as kind of an adventure in uncertainty. And, and then, I mean, not to be too optimistic here, but I, I, I would wager that maybe we might even see that we don't want to go back to the normal that we have. It won't even seem desirable. I think, again, it gets back to reframing. One of the bizarre things about this pandemic is more human lives are actually going to be saved because of it. And this is because air pollution in Los Angeles, in Beijing, in New Delhi is going down. And our old system somehow accepted those millions of lives being lost every year is just the cost of doing business. But now people have been able to see the blue skies above their cities. They've been able to hear birds. And so they don't have to um, reimagine a better future. They've actually seen it with their own eyes. They've tasted it with their own lungs and they've smelled it in their own nostrils and heard it in their own ears. But in terms of what other encouragement if anyone thinks the world is going to go back to the way it was, it's not. And view this as an opportunity for change. No one likes change. But if I were to then reframe the question and say, tell me a change that you have lived through in the past and how it's made you a better person, everyone can come up with an area where they have changed. Well, this great reset is allowing us, all of us, to change on a deep level. And I just see nothing but excitement and optimis optimism in this opportunity of change. So as we, uh, as we, as we close this thing out, um, I know it's not in the, uh, the, the outline here, but I, I do want to know uh, off the top of your head, what are some things that are inspiring you all in this time uh, towards your work that, uh, that are causing you to really pour into uh, this initiative and, and the book that you're working on? Well, what are some of those things that come to mind? Yeah, if I could take this first, as a futurist, I've always ended my talks with this line, the only way to predict the future is to create it yourself. And I believe that from the, the deepest depths of my heart. But as a futurist, I now want to begin taking my own advice and creating a, a more beautiful future. And so what inspires me are future generations, is that this idea that it's not just about us today or next quarter, or next year, or even next generation. We have to begin looking out multiple generations. We are stewards here on this planet, and we have this great opportunity to begin reimagining a different world where not only can the people who are alive today thrive, but future generations out into the deep, deep future. That's what motivates me. What inspires me, and actually I've been keeping an inspiration journal um, uh, and that is during this time, especially when I hear these news stories of people, people reaching out in new ways um, or elderly people that make a, a special step just to find some way to visit their loved one. Um, you know, whether it I mean, some of these are just so astonishing that I'm um, 
often actually moved to tears when I'm watching some news stations, not all of them. Um, and so what I feel is most inspiring about that is I feel a shift happening in our spirits collectively. And I don't think we're going to go back. And that's what inspires me. I thank you so much for the time. I know that we could go on for a couple more hours. I have so many more, <laughs> so many more questions, um, but maybe that's the intent. I, I think that is part of the intent of what you all do. Uh, but Camille and Jack, I genuinely appreciate the time. Thank you so much for being here. Jack, thanks for coming back. Uh, it's always a pleasure to engage with you. And Camille, it's so fun to get to know you through this as well. Thank you, Steve. It's been a lot of fun. Now for the takeaway and the action item. Takeaway. Thought is required if we're going to change our outlook and take advantage of the opportunity presented to us. Now, this wasn't explicitly said by either of them, but I think it makes sense based on what you just heard and the weight of our COVID circumstances. Action items. Number one, if you want to predict the future, create it. Number two, start with yourself before looking at others. Explore your own assumptions. What questions are you asking yourself? How are you responding to the current situation? Listeners and observers will win long-term. If you're looking for more content, be sure to scroll down to the show notes located below this episode that you're listening to. And we have over 60 other episodes that you should check out as well. Go to ccbtechnology.com slash podcast, or just subscribe in your favorite podcast app to check them all out. Conversations spanning generational gaps in the workplace, allowing employees to create their own job descriptions, and even interview horror stories are just a few examples. If you're listening on your phone, please click subscribe. Share this episode with a friend and consider giving us a five-star review or maybe even a written review. We appreciate it big time and it's the best way for us to help get the word out to other leaders. And as always, from all of us here at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.